Mike Gascoigne, a mixed testing session there. Petrov was, well, 1.4 seconds off the front runners. Do you know what's wrong? It's very simple. It's a weight problem. Can you fix it? Yes, we can. We'll just get Vitaly to leave his wallet in the garage tomorrow. Do you want to buy some scrap metal? Hello and welcome to Gareth Jones on Speed and I would imagine this programme is going to sound a little different to any other previous episode of Gareth Jones on Speed because we are podcasting to you from the other side of a curry. Now we normally podcast from the other side of a pizza so I don't know if the curry will affect how we talk but quite frankly I want to sit down and digest that lovely matapaneer I just had. It's a whole new boundary in podcasting and food to explore. And how was your tandoori chicken? It was excellent. Good. And Richard, your chicken madras? Good madras. Not too hot, just the right amount of kick, and not loads of coriander in it, which I don't like. That's it. You've been listening to Gareth Jones on food. (laughs) 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 Gareth Jones on spice. I like the idea of that, yeah. Wouldn't that be a programme about the movie Dune? Though. Oh, good reference. Oh, really? Uh, good. Oh, Phil- thank you, Philip Herbert? Uh, I'm sure. Herbert Rob, Herbert. Robert Herbert, no. Dennis Herbert? Frank Herbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Focus, books. focus. Yeah. Sorry. Focus. Cars. Let's yeah. Well, you think I don't, I don't know where to start. This is the truth. I'm floundering here because I don't honestly know where to start with cars because we're in that sort of hinterland at the moment. We're right at the end of the long winter of no Formula One or very little motorsport at all and it's never darker before the dawn. What can we really talk about? Can we talk about Formula One in any way? What should we be saying? We've had a little bit of testing. There's a little bit to go on there maybe, yeah. you know, if you're inclined to read anything about yeah. that. I don't like this sort of testing. I mean obviously it's interesting and we can't help but watch what's going on but there's so much sandbagging that happens and so many things that teams do to try and put people off the scent. I put a thing on Twitter trying to sound clever and profound, uh, even though I'm neither, trying to deduce what the first race is going to be like from watching testing is trying to know what the symphony would be like by listening to the orchestra tuning up. That's a very good analogy. It's it's all so random and and so messy and so off-putting what happens in testing that you really have no clear picture of what's going to happen in the first race, which is why I can't wait for the first race. Yeah, I mean, for example, we know that Grosjean was quickest at the end of the first day in the Lotus, which might make you think, oh, well, you know, they've got it together this year, they're going to be quick, maybe they're going to be that much closer to the leading team, Yeah, probably going to be Red Bull and Ferrari and McLaren again. But it was on apparently soft tyres in the afternoon session when everyone else was doing kind of longer runs on hard yeah, tyres. Exactly. So and it was running a go. turbo probably as well. <laughs> <laughs> and downhill we, all the way. Yeah. <laughs> if we take testing seriously, it looks like Sauber have wrapped up the entire championship, judging by the results so far. And Williams a very close second there, Pastor Maldonado. So that's So t- you kind of proved my point there, really. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. There's no point whatsoever. But you can discuss the look of the cars <laughs> yeah it's well anyway. yeah, and you, you just can't find very many pleasant things to say about the look of the cars at the moment really except the Mac, I mean, the McLaren have done a passable yeah. job at least you know. yeah the McLaren is quite saucy but the rest of them are varying degrees of gopping mm. this McLaren is I've said this before is conservative it just looks like a McLaren and it's such a relief compared to those horribly disfigured other Platypus-nosed 
beasties out there. It's just a relief. Will we get used to the look of these new cars? We have in the past got used to broad front wings and ridiculous, I always said it, like a box kite when they changed the shape of the rear wing a few years ago. Will we get used to the look of these Yeah, we'll get cars? used to it, but you know, but you get used to having lumbago or arthritis or something. <laughs> it doesn't have, make yes. it pleasant. <laughs> so, um, no. They're pretty horrid, unfortunately. The Marussia, of course, has failed its FIA crash test. It, it failed yeah. its being substantial enough test is what happened, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. And did you notice Marussia were advertising as well for a new stress engineer and design engineers and stuff, so I think someone must have been sacked. Well, really? For well, that? You know, yeah. Poor Marussia. I heard some stories about Marussia that would lead me to believe that sacked means something else there. I'm not saying anything else, honestly. Oh, no. come I'm on. Intrigued. You can't this leave. Come on, tell us more. I'm going to do a mime. Don't say what I'm doing. Seriously, don't say what I'm doing. I'll do the audio description. Oh. Oh. Oh, really? They did? They can do well. that. Wow. No, I'm just speculating on that, Mike. Oh, actually, yeah, you well, may have extrapolated yeah. a bit. Yeah. Just, you know, yeah. Russian. Okay. Russian. Yeah. 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 Don't mess Well, they are. We've met them, haven't yeah. they? they mm. Have you Russian. met them? Serious. Oh, yeah. Well, we've met the daughter of Mr. Marucci. <gasps> yeah. At, uh, what was her name? Oh, you weren't there. So I was trying to get a game of poker because yeah. I heard there was a poker <laughs> tent. Oh, and, her, her name uh, is Anya. Is it? She is the daughter of Mr. Insert name of person who owns Marusha here, and yeah, there was quite a. I can't an hear oligarch. the name <laughs> anymore because it's uh, a band uh, called Marina uh, and the Diamonds, and Marina, they yeah. did a great yeah. song called uh, oh, "They She." It's just it's one girl, isn't it? But she did a song called Hollywood, which is a great little pop ditty. But it has the best rendition of the name Anya in it because she hits a real sort of high note in it. It goes Anya in it. I can't. Sorry, you can't do it. So I've only got hi. My name's Anya, and I'd have just got Anya. Anya. Musical Tourette's. I just think of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But, um, oh, I never watched I that. Know. Was that, does that have an Anya in it? I think focus, Mar- focus, yes, focus. So, I, I think Marusha or <laughs> Manor, as they really are in yeah. many, many ways. I think they should just field one of their Formula Three cars because they've done really well in F3, haven't they? Over the years, yeah, Manor yeah. have done better than almost any other team, arguably, possibly only. Is uh, this how much of a guarantee of success in F1 is that? You know? Well, it's going to do better than the bloody Formula One car. Let's <laughs> be honest. Because well, is this like I sometimes have this theory that could a really really clever dog be smarter than a really really stupid person? No. Well, I mean, sorry to just jump in there with this. Well, so whack, okay, okay, but could a really really good lower Formula car? be better than a They're really, really bad, bad F1 car. Ah, okay. yes, well, okay, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yes, I remember... I'm talking e- about a really clever dog, by the way. Well, OK, if we're talking about somebody with really, really severe brain damage... No, 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 I'm just talking about... <laughs> no, I'm just talking about one of those insufferable idiots that leave comments on YouTube, that kind of stupidity. Oh, there's a lot of that. And listen, I can cite an example, and I think you can say that your theory's right. Um, what, dog or car? In the last year focus, or two... Focus, focus, In the last year of uh, Minardi in F1, their lap times weren't as good as GP. Two cars on the same circuit. On the same yeah, circuit. Yeah, see, that's a, that's a good. Yeah. Interesting. Like so it. maybe it could. I'd like to see it. Mm. I'd like to see it. It'd be interesting, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, the morning you get all these different sort of 
abilities of cars zizzing around, and sometimes a car from a lower formula will do better from, yeah, from a yeah. higher one. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah the, the, um, the quickest GT. Particularly if there's a really terrible high formula car, Aston Martin. Oh, so yeah, why not? Okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll tackle yeah. the dog one on a different day. But okay. yes, I think it's a lower a, formula car in F1. Well, interesting. I'm to intrigued see. by the dog question. I think with this, continue the research. Really, what we've got at the moment. Let's be fair. The, the non-grandee teams. What's the opposite of a grandee? So what's uh, a grand uh, uh, a peasant? The peasants Formula One teams, you know, Marussia. Are you imposing a sort of caste system on the Formula One grid? Proletarian, grandee proletariat. Proletariat, the F1 proletariat, that actually suits Marussia rather well, doesn't it? We the ball of proletariat. Marussia, Caterham, and HRT, right, they're racing in a different class to the rest of Formula One. Really, aren't they? There are, in fact, two Formula E going on there in mm. Formula One. Yeah, we've got well, this is Middle Ages Formula One. You have your royalty and your serfs. That's how it works. Another very fast pit stop from Red Bull, and as Vettel blasts majestically onto the track once more, it's over to Lumsden, who is at the other end of the pit lane. Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'm here in the HRT garage, where these many smocks are furiously working on the car. Um, excuse me, what, what's the problem here? It's a spoiler, sir. Some of the wattle fell off it. Wattle? Uh, and you're also topping up the engine with... What is that? It's mud, sir. Mud and a poultice of elderberries, witch hazel and catkins. And a bat's face. Why are you doing that? The mice like it, sir. Mice? The mice. In wheels, sir. Powers the car, sir. Mice. Didn't HRT have a Cosworth V8? Yep. But this is faster. Yes, Petrol! We've got a Jones on speed! One of the things that makes Formula One so utterly fascinating and impressive in my mind is the way that they sort of foresee almost eventuality with the exception of Marussia and the crash tests you know they really do think about everything and have contingencies in place almost like a a space program you know it's that kind of well we've got a plan b and a secondary backup and a tertiary backup you know that kind of formula one thinks they have that kind of mentality on the other end of the scale in motorsport you've got nascar in america and if ever there was an example of them not really thinking it through it's what happened at the daytona 500 last weekend it's, it's not funny and yes, it is. And if you've seen the clips, have you seen this on, on YouTube, you two? Yeah? No, no. Didn't actually see the clip, but I know what happened. If you didn't see it or you don't know what happened, this is what happened. A safety car period. Montoya is blasting around the circuit in his, I think, number 42 car. And that's me already knowing far too much about NASCAR than I want to know. Trying to catch up with the field, he comes up to the track cleaning vehicle that they have in NASCAR, which is a big American pickup truck with a trailer. And on that trailer is a jet engine from a, a helicopter, a Bell Huey something or other, I suppose. They use it to dry the track and to blow any debris off the banking yeah. towards the inner field. 
good idea. Yeah, we've all seen it. We've seen it at Rockingham when Champ Car was there. If you need to dry a wet track, it's a yeah. pretty good way of doing it. It's a good way of doing things. However, there's a small flaw in the plan. If you think about it, for some reason, Montoya's car lost control. Suspension or transmission failure or something. Back end hit the deck. You're watching it on your iPad now. Keep going. You? I'm just going to look it up. Okay. So can... Suspension failure. The car spins 90 degrees out of control just as he comes up alongside the track blow, which is high on the banking. He careens into not the truck, but the track blower itself. Almighty bang! Unbelievable ball of flame. Why is there an unbelievable ball of flame? Because that thing has got 100 US gallons of jet fuel on board, which then pours down the banking. A river... A fire! Did yeah. they think about this beforehand? Well, I think that'd be a great idea. Let's have a hundred gallons of f***ing rocket fuel, man. Come on! Yeah, but if you're going to have a big, thirsty jet turbine engine on the back of a truck, yeah. you know, you've got to give it a big old fuel tank. Otherwise, they're going to keep having to top it up too often. And, you know, you can argue that's a... An accident waiting to happen. Yeah, well, yeah. Have, have it, have <laughs> Quite it, literally. Uh, racing cars, you know, passing pickup trucks laden with fuel and spinning jet turbines. Yeah, it is kind of an accident waiting to happen. He slew uh, sideways. We're no, watching it now. No. Slew, you don't actually no. see the impact on that shot, but he hits the worst possible thing, the fuel tank. And... It's just that the river of fire is what got me. I mean, I know we've had terrible things happen in Formula One, but is it as daft as what we saw in Well, I mean, OK, I mean, I mean, first question that comes to mind is, you know, couldn't they make it a safer fuel tank? Because there are all kinds of ways of yep. making fuel tanks less prone to spilling um, their contents all over the place if they're ruptured, if they're damaged. So I'm just getting mesmerised. We've all become cavemen because we're now staring at footage of fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put, put this down. It melted now, the track. My I'm not surprised. Is, was anyone hurt in this? No, no. The, was the driver killed? of the truck, no, no. OK, right, so... What's the problem? I it's it, NASCAR. It's yeah. about spectacle. Yeah, yeah. It's about extraordinary things happening. Yeah. Every time Somebody they put a NASCAR race on, they yeah. have like a million cheerleaders and their bloody B-52 flies over the top. <laughs> it's the best show on earth. <laughs> I'm telling you. I've had two opportunities to go to NASCAR races when I've been in the States and both times I couldn't go and I'm gutted because I know obviously I was just driving around in circles. But it's a spectacle and that, from what I've seen, was a sodding massive spectacle. Fair play to them. Of course there's a trailer full of fuel there. They were probably hoping that would happen. <laughs> they could charge the crowd double if they promised that some Colombian idiot's going to careen into a bloody gallon of jet fuel and cause it to go up. Superb! As long as no one's hurt, more of that, please. Do you know what? It's yeah, probably it's dumb. That, you know. NASCAR, more good, because we've just spent the last five minutes on this, this programme talking about NASCAR for the first time ever. It yeah. is a good thing for them, but really, it's that close to being a really terrible... Yes, it could have been horrible, but it, it wasn't, so it was superb. Yeah. I think that's... Yeah. I um, mean, Montoya could have had his pies overcooked, couldn't he, really? Let's be honest. <laughs> there. He carries a couple of pies with him in the car, I believe. I, I think if we kept on watching that footage, you'd suddenly see him running back towards the fire with a load of marshmallows <laughs> on wooden steps. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should, should we, we bring it back to European yes. mass? Yes, and, and less volatile fuels. Can we talk about diesel? Oh, go on, then. 
Yeah, diesel. Is it right to say less volatile? Is that a yeah. correct scientific term? Yeah, well, it, but yeah. if it is less volatile, you know, it needs to be under compression d- to. But actually, yeah. isn't, yeah. I, I don't actually know quite how volatile jet fuel is because it's, it's less volatile well, than the petrol we put in our cars, isn't it? It's well, really, is it though? Because I thought that Avgas was a hundred octane. I mean, that just sort of is the energy is that, rating. Is that the same as so JP8 fuel? We don't really know what we're talking about. No, that's good. I like that. Well, what we do know is that diesel is what they use in a lot of military jets. There's that, that stuff right? they used to run the, jet um, the old blackbirds on the SR-71. Oh, but that's special because they used to have to gel that fuel in yeah. order that it was less liquid, in order that it didn't leak out of the tanks when it was sitting on the runway because the expansion of the yeah. metal airframe, when it's at cruising heated speed, up. heated yeah. it up and all the gaps contracted. Well, it would, um, leak, on the, yeah, it would yeah. leak on the ground. But it did used to leak on the ground. That's the thing. When they yeah. were sitting... On the tarmac, yeah. they did used to gently piddle oil, mm. like an old yeah. Allegro. Yeah. Not oil, but fuel. <laughs> like, um, like an old lady. Yeah, like, oh, yes, like an old lady. And, um, <laughs> you know what a lady that piddles fuel? Oh, uh, <laughs> wow. I'd harness her. You'd be quit in. And, yeah, and they, but I remember Fire seeing fuel. a documentary about it, and they said, oh, it's nothing to worry about. And honestly, you could take a bucket of this stuff and throw it on a fire, and it would just put the fire out. Mm. It, was, uh-huh. it was that lacking. How do you jellify a fuel? Do you put gelatine in it? Do you go shivers down well, the shivers shop? I'm guessing that gelatine. Lime being water soluble is mm. probably not soluble in a hydrocarbon fuel. I'm guessing you'd add some kind of sort of long flour. I don't know, it, <laughs> <laughs> corn flour. Yeah, mm, no. gravy brownie, polystyrene Bisto. grains, or something. Um, ah, Bisto. Ah, Bisto. So Le Mans diesel fuel. Yes, that's a change <laughs> oh, of gear. Okay. Um, yeah, Le Mans. Now Audi announced that they will be racing against themselves and probably winning against themselves at Le Mans this year. Yes, Toyota will be there, but there are two slightly, is it right to call them markedly different, but slightly different Audis racing at Le Mans. Let's get the nomenclature right. Very different powertrains is the main thing, isn't it? Well, they're both turbo diesels, but one of them has got an energy recovery system and the ability to put the energy back down through the wheels and they've called it, is it the e-tron quattro? Mm -hmm. Or the quattro e-tron, I forget now. It's called the R18 Etron Quattro. You're reading that, I can the, tell. I, well, I, was, I just want to double check it, yeah. so I've got this here. Do you know that the normal car, or you know, the one that we're more familiar with, is going to be called the R18 Ultra? Which is a stupid name. Do you reckon that's something to do with Shell? What's Shell's diesel called? Oh, Ultra, yeah, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, probably. I doubt they're referencing a Depeche Mode album from several years ago. Oh, well, so it was quite good. good. It yes. was quite good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That on. man who sends us quizzes, Dave Stebbings. Yeah. I think we christened him an Ultra Listener. Ultra. Because he ultra really listener. pays attention. Ultra Listener. Unless it's sponsored by Ultraman, the Japanese superhero. Which of those two cars is going to win then? The hybrid or the reliable diesel test? system. I don't know. Let's go and find out. Audi would prefer the hybrid to win, I'm sure. So aren't they going to slightly favour that internally? So unless they're being pushed hard enough by one of the other teams, that Audi hybrid is going to win, I reckon. Yeah, the first thing they want to do is win. Doesn't matter what with. Yeah. But then, given the choice, yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. But if they don't, with the hybrid, if it's not doing so well, they can always go, well, you know, it's a proving exercise. We're just trying it out. Yeah. It's weird. I've just been reading about this, and it says that it's four-wheel drive, hence the quattro bit in the name. 
game. And the rules at Le Mans effectively allow for around 70 brake horsepower of stored energy to be transferred to the wheels, the front wheels, between two braking events at speeds above 75 miles an hour. So it's not going to be four-wheel drive all the time, and it is restricted on how much power it can put to the front wheels. Mm. So it's still sort of fundamentally the diesel rear-wheel drive car with a bit of extra gubbin. Yeah, and a bit of extra can it's make a, a lot yeah, of difference. Yeah. It's a Kerr's system. Williams Hybrid Technology developed the flywheel that they're using to store yeah, yeah. and recover the energy. It's not going to be the supercapacitors that Toyota are using. Yeah, I find this very interesting because this supercapacitor technology is interesting because you've got a way of potentially getting a higher energy density, as I understand it, that you can get with chemical batteries because one of the issues with chemical batteries is you're limited by the chemistry. You know, you're limited by how much energy you can store in chemical bonds and the amount of energy you can store in any chemical bonds in any compounds that we know about is actually relatively low. It means that the energy density you can get in batteries is always going to look fairly poor compared to liquid fuel, for example. Yeah, but so supercapacitors... I believe, you know, you, I believe you can go beyond that because you're not limited by that chemical bond energy. And they deliver an awful lot of power very quickly as opposed to batteries which eke it out, which is better for road use, I suppose. And whether that's to do with the internal resistance or something, because any battery has an internal resistance, so when you try and draw a lot of current from a battery the internal resistance of that battery becomes more significant. Apart from limiting the power, that also means that the battery gets a lot hotter when you're drawing that power. So we've got the Audis with ultra power. Yeah. yeah? We've got Toyota with super capacitors. There's room at Le Mans for someone to use the term mega, isn't there? Well, presumably a Scouse team of some description <laughs> as well. <laughs> So you're the first entirely Merseyside-based team to enter endurance racing. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Yeah, we're the Merke team, and we're going to Le Mans, like... Can you tell us something about the car you're using? Oh, yeah, this is our car here. It's an Audi. Uh, the team Mega Audi, that is. What sort of Audi is it? Uh, it's an A A A A A A four mega. Gareth Jones on speed. I'm not bored with cars. I will never be bored with cars. But I am slightly disillusioned that one of the more exciting ideas, I suppose, at the upcoming Geneva Auto Salon is a three-cylinder Ford. Well, more exciting ideas for you. Yeah, I think it's... Well, no, I think for all of us. Oh, I'm very interested in yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Well, the idea that one of the most efficient cars on the road that we're going to be able to buy in the next few years is not going to be a hybrid, not going to be a diesel, not going to be powered by Ouija board or something else, but a good, old-fashioned petrol engine albeit with an electric supercharger, that's the bit that I find interesting. They call it the EcoBoost, yeah? it doesn't yeah? have an electric supercharger it at the does. moment. It's it has got a turbo at the moment, as it's fitted to the, the Focus. Es- I said And I would urge caution here about this most efficient thing, because it is a very clever idea. All this downsizing is great. However, speaking as the owner of a Fiat 500 Twin Air, mm. 
downsizing par excellence 900cc two cylinder little turbo on it makes good power but supposedly super economical which it is in the official tests in the real world it does 39 miles to the gallon everywhere Ooh. motorway 39 city 39 Mixture of that. 39. Well, at least you know what you're going to get. And, you know... Uh, yeah, it's fine, but... <laughs> they say that about the Hummer as well, don't yeah. At least you know what you're yeah. going to get. Two. Yeah. <laughs> but 39's not bad. It's it's, not... I do, I'm not complaining because I love that car to death and it has personality and it has actually quite good performance. Good bags of personality, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Interestingly, I drove this week the Volkswagen Up... Or up, as you're yeah. supposed to call so it. So right, yeah. Now, that doesn't have a turbo on it. It is three cylinders, but it's very lightweight as well. There you go. You can't change mm. the laws of physics. That's yeah, exactly, what you have to Jim. do. And I nerdishly zeroed the computer on that. That, it appears, does 50 miles per gallon everywhere. Hmm. Motorway, 50 miles a gallon. In the countryside, 50. Town, 50. More than 50 sometimes if you were gentle with it. And I thrapped it within an inch of its life. It's not as much fun as my Fiat. It's certainly not as fast. But it's not unfun. It feels incredibly sturdy. But it's also very economical. But, but I think that is down to lightness and low friction engine. And I don't know why, but I think these turbocharged smaller capacity engines, particularly in a heavier car like a Focus or a Monday or an S Max, is build, not going to do the official figures. How well, do you build a low friction engine? Do you leave bigger gaps between yes. the, uh, the piston <laughs> and the cylinder? Well, you, you know, joke about it, but I'm sure that the tolerances and having the right lubricants mm -hmm. and real yeah. precision. The in right the lubricants. And don't use KY jelly. No. That's not going to work. Well, it no. might actually. It's a water based, though, so it probably yeah. won't go to work. Engine, so, yeah, yeah, the tolerances on a modern engine are microscopic. Ooh, they, oh, that sounds stupid. Of course they are. They, they are all engines, really, relatively, but they're particularly fine. There's probably a lot maybe to do with surface coatings yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. to reduce friction. And all your stuff, and, you know, and your gudgeons and your crankshaft and all this stuff, that there are modern materials and your Teflons and, and of the like that have been refined to such a point that we're talking just tiny degrees of reducing... Mm. any sort of well, section in them. The thing is that the internal combustion engine is an incredibly mature technology. You yeah. know, we've spent decade after decade refining it and making it better and better and better. In a sense, we're still making the best of a bad job because it's still kind of a kludgy, silly way of getting energy out of something. And when you step back and look at it, the electric powertrains and electric power sources do look awfully appealing by comparison because it's an awful lot easier to get to a higher level of efficiency. What the whole electric thing isn't so good at is the energy storage. I mean, that's really the uh, mm -hmm. biggest problem. But you compare an electric motor with an internal combustion engine as a source of power for your wheels, mm. the electric motor has a tiny fraction of the number of moving parts, way fewer things to go wrong, mm. and is way more efficient, even if you pick a relatively bad one, rather than one that's been the product of decades and decades and decades of work. Are you swatting up on Fords with electric well, superchargers yeah. looking at your I mean, iPad. This, this electric supercharger thing... I, I it's going to go in the Focus. The, is it the ST? What are they calling it? The next performance no, Focus? the next ST has a 2-litre turbo, an old-school four-cylinder one. So what Ford is going to have this electric supercharger well, that I've Well, they haven't about. announced I'm it confused. yet. So, so the, the tiny 1-litre three-cylinder turbo engine is in the Focus. That's going on sale now, pretty yeah. much, and has a hundred and I forget now, a hundred and twenty-three horsepower. Yes, I think, yeah. to this. Very good. And there'll be a ninety-nine horsepower one as well, That's because it's I the mean. thing. It's all yeah. ECUs and turbos. Fiat are doing the same with the twin air engine. The one in my car has eighty-five horsepower. There's going to be a hundred horsepower one as well. Yeah. I'll just turn it off, everything up a little bit. Mm. Take the turbo off. They make a sort of sixty odd horsepower one. 
That's uh, entry level. They're saying there will be, this was announced, there's going to be one with an output as high as 177 horsepower, which from a one litre turbo, it's pretty incredible, but this Mm. is where they're saying Mm. that Ford is already believed to be working on a prototype high output version fitted with an electric supercharger and a regular turbocharger. So that's where they'll get the extra power from, is mm. if rumours be believed. I have, I, that may be one of those things whereby, just like power steering is more efficient, you waste less power if you've got electric power steering rather than power steering mm. that's driven by some belty gubbins and hydraulics and all that. Yeah. You know, Maybe that's the same thinking with that supercharger. They're more efficient, you'd lose less energy in driving the supercharger. We had a supercharged Lotus Elise that was shockingly good, wasn't it? Mm. A few years ago. Yeah, driving down to the British Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a Cappuccino which had a triple in it, turbocharged. I was a triple in my cappuccino. And I, hey, <laughs> thank you very much. And the thrum of that little cappuccino engine, a three-cylinder engine, makes a lovely buzzing noise. So I'm kind of excited by that. I just want to bring it back that I'm mm. genuinely excited about this little, lightweight, slightly alternative-thinking engine. Mm. It's, yeah. In some ways, it's half a Land Rover engine, isn't it? They've, some of the technology that's gone into this car, Ford have learnt from making the engines for Jaguar, I understand. Really? Yeah. You yeah. know, it's got an iron block though yes. seems terribly old fashioned yeah. and heavy Be- and there's a reason for is that there, is there, heat there is a reason yeah, because there of the high reasons. pressures yes. it's, got, it's got a really yeah. long stroke yes. the stroke is uh, 73 foot yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very unusually proportioned car you have to look <laughs> around the bonnet it's very vertical yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, they put glass sides into the cylinders it's like watching one of those buildings with a lift on the outside you can watch the time run in the you can watch the pistons going up and down over the course of two or three minutes hang on hang on I'm going to pull the zug up on something then the what in the TARDIS? Isn't it called the Time Rotor? Is that what it's called? I believe it's called the Time Rotor. I thought you said that. It's the Time Rotor, the bit that goes up and down in the middle of the TARDIS. It's because it's real technology. Of course it's real technology, yeah. 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 So, yeah, tiny engines. I don't know. Talking of three cylinders, I drove the VW up, which was an interesting little car, and I quite liked it. Well, I drove it down to Guildford, uh, actually, and uh, and around London. But three-cylinder, and it doesn't have balancer shafts, which most three-cylinder engines do, Mm. and the two-cylinder engine in my little Fiat does but this doesn't and I thought well that's going to be interesting maybe it'll be a bit vibratey and a bit noisy absolutely not and it almost doesn't sound like a three-cylinder it's, it's, yeah. it's actually so how are they getting around that vibration problem because most internal combustion engine configurations are inherently a bit unbalanced and you yes. have a bit of vibration because of all of those bits of metal flying up and down so I'm glad you asked me that Zog because there is an answer to this and I have forgotten it even though I read about <laughs> it it's something again I think mm. to do with tolerances and also with counter Waiting on the crank. Oh, the crankshaft. Maybe. Yes, yeah, some, something yes the crank, they've done something there. And it does feel at low revs a bit reluctant to rev slightly. And I think that's partly due to the gearing, which felt quite long, and partly maybe because there's some kind of heavy sort of flywheel effect on it, which is to damp the engine and stop it being buzzy. I don't know. Mm, I will look this up. Sense. I wish I had done before we started recording. I want to bring this to a head now, but there was one car I want to talk about. There's another really boring car that's genuinely interesting that's going to appear in Geneva and that's the new Volvo we call it the V40 or the V50 V40 V40 I'm confused with Volvo now and it's not the S anymore it's a V even though it's actually an H V stands for versatile versatile Mm. which is normally the estate I think it should be called an H because it's a hatchback because it's not anyway this is a very safe 
Volvo, isn't it? As Volvos are supposed to be. Didn't they make a particularly bold claim about how by 2020 they expect that nobody is going to be killed in a collision involving a Volvo and a pedestrian? This is their Um, objective. And uh, to that end... Fabulous objective. Well, it is, yeah. credit to them. Um, It's interesting because one of the ways they're going to achieve this is the first time on the V40, the world's first pedestrian airbag. The bonnet, if you hit someone, there are Mm -hmm. multiple sensors around the front of the car. They detect you've hit someone and it's some person rather than a fence post or something. The bonnet pops up. At the same time, an airbag emerges from the trailing edge of the bonnet between the bonnet and the windscreen and sort of covers the area where a pedestrian's head would fall Mm. and cushions your fall. They also say specifically that the airbag is shaped to allow the driver to retain the view ahead. Now, my view is that if you've hit somebody, it's too late for that. (laughs) They probably weren't paying attention. Yeah, I think so. It's it's an incredible idea, and it's going to be standard on all these Unless you're doing what my grandmother did, and you run over a whole line of people rather than just one of them. Really? Your grandmother? No! That's for another episode of Gareth Jones on Speed, I reckon. I like that idea. I think it's a bold idea, but I think Volvo may have borrowed that idea from Ford. I remember Ford talking about that. Remember Volvo and Ford have been like that, mm. were like that for a long while. Ford mused on that about five or six years yeah, ago. Yeah, but I bet they went up to Volvo's place in Sweden, where they used to do a lot of their safety yeah, testing yeah, for yeah. all cars in the Ford group, mm. and just nicked their idea. You see, the problem here is that they've put the airbag in the wrong place, in my opinion. Don't put it on the car. Give put people airbags, and that will reduce the weight in the car, so there'll be a lot more fuel efficient. You can get them. You can get them for yeah. motorbikes. You can. A human yeah. airbag. Jackets through there. And for skiers, except for skiers, really? it's, it's a different application. The point is that in an avalanche, the airbag deploys, ah, yeah, yeah. and you tend you not get to get buried space. under yeah, yeah. a human... Right, yeah. that's yeah. it. Going to pass a law that pedestrians are not allowed out unless they've got a puffer jacket, which inflates now, and that would protect them from badly driven Volvos. And stop them getting through narrow doorways. Yeah. You've been listening to Zog. Goodbye. Richie Porter. Goodbye. I was Gareth. We're going to leave you with a tune. As you know, I'm a massive Dexys fan. Recently, Dexys announced that they're going to release the first album in 25 years. And you can hear one minute of the new Dexys on YouTube. There's a teaser. The first two minutes of the album, in fact. Coincidentally, wouldn't it be good if the other Dexys released a minute a teaser? Right, Dexy's Midnight Racers. The lot who brought you, come on, Eddie. Do you remember? You remember, come on, Eddie, boys, don't you? Good like tune. that tune. Yeah. yeah, good tune. Well, this is the next generation of Dexy's. This is um, song very much in the style of Kevin Rowland's new Dexy's. It's called Odd. See ya. I've always gone my own way.
send us an email, see pictures, get song lyrics, join our Facebook fan site or follow us on Twitter, go to garethjones.tv. Gareth Jones on Speed is made in London by Whizbang. Gareth Jones on Speed! <laughs>